Amen. Thank you, guys. That was a real blessing. I really appreciate that. A couple of uh, things I want to mention before we move into the message. Uh, there was a play, VBS is around the corner, summer is here. And, guys, we don't have a director in place. And um, At this point, just seek your heart. The kids certainly are a blessing. They matter to us. And uh, so just keep that in in prayer. God leads. Yeah, Becky. Okay, thank you, Becky. Becky's uh, got a heart. I appreciate it. So let's let's keep that in prayer. That's such an important part of the body here. And also, um, I got a email this morning that Ron's mother died yesterday. Ron Gilbert's mother, our associational missionary. So in a moment we'll have our scripture reading, but we want to lift up that family in prayer too. But let's uh, turn to Mark chapter 5. Read the first 11 verses, and we'll ask when you find those to stand in God's honor. So I'll read from the text this morning. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me, for Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you, Lord, we understand that we are tangled in a constant battle a spiritual war that we often cannot detect. But that certainly does not mean that it is not real. And as we continue to look at the identity of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, as we continue to look at these different questions, Father, I I pray today that You remind us that He is the victorious One over the enemy of God. And as we look at this enemy, Lord, remind us that there is victory that awaits the one who bows to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and who lives in that power and that strength of He who loves us. Lord, just guide us in this service that remains. I thank You so much, Father. We have been so blessed already, Father. I've just been blessed through uh, this Sunday school promotion. I thank You so much for that leadership, God. It's such a blessing for the beauty of, of the special music, Lord, and all those that participated there. What a blessing, and I'm so grateful for that. Grateful, Father, just that You love us, God. You're so amazing. Father, we just love You and, and just want You to be honored. Father, so I, I, just, I, I just seek to hide behind the cross. and Father, that Your Holy Spirit might work in this message 
Father, open our hearts, open our ears, and just speak to us, Lord. In Your name we pray. Amen. Guys, focusing on spiritual warfare this morning as we look at the next question this morning, what is your name? Um, I remember when I was a kid, I loved comic books. I don't know if you guys know this about me. I had a collection of about 600 comic books and had like 10 years of Spider-Man without missing a single issue. I'd go to the newsstand every weekend. And that was my pride and joy. I'll never forget when I came home from college and Mom had decided to throw all my comic books away. I'm I'm still in mourning over that. It's been years ago. I remember one particular comic... Uh, you guys are familiar with Casper the Friendly Ghost and Wendy, the witch, and had an, uh, also part of that comics was a little guy named Hot Stuff, who was a little devil that would run around. And he had the horns and you know the red suit and everything, but he he was just kind of cute. He didn't really hurt people. You know, we have this caricature of the devil that he's got this red jumpsuit on and. He's got these horns and a pitchfork. But he's almost like a comic book character. Not really someone to fear or to worry about. Where did that originate from, that whole idea? Well, it can be traced back to the Middle Ages. You know, the idea was that the devil's biggest weakness is pride. Man, he thinks he's it. And so what better way to strike out at someone filled with pride than to mock them, to make fun of them, to ridicule them. And so the the greatest ridicule in that day was the idea of the court jester, was the idea of what was considered to be ridiculous. And so it was actually a way to try to try to torment the evil one who wanted to destroy people. But we've lost all sense of that in common day. And now it's just some idea of, oh, you know, that's just a stupid legend. Not real. Guys, the devil is real. And he's smart. He's a lot smarter than we are. And we need God in order to be victorious, in order to overcome. We need God's help because we can't do it on our own. I want to read to you, just a real short section from C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters. If you ever have a chance to read The Screwtape Letters, or if you have read it, what a deep book. Lewis wrote this book actually from the angle of an uncle demon trying to teach his nephew how to tempt and entice Christians away from God. So anyway, I want to read a little excerpt here from one of those letters in that book. My dear Wormwood, I... Wonder you should ask me whether it's essential to keep the patient in ignorance of your own existence. That question, at least for the present phase of the struggle, has been answered for us by the high command. Our policy for the moment is to conceal ourselves. Of course, this has not always been so. We're really faced with a cruel dilemma. When the humans disbelieve in our existence, we lose all the pleasing results of direct terrorism. And we make no magicians. On the other hand... When they believe in us, we cannot make them materialists and skeptics. I do not think you'll have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark. The fact is that devils are predominantly comic figures on the modern imagination will help you. If any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, 
suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, it is an old textbook method of confusing them, he therefore cannot believe in you. He's far more than a red-clad clown. So what, you know, what are we to believe about the evil one? What truths are available to us? First, he wants us to believe that he's a nobody. But he is a somebody. He's somebody that wants to destroy you and he has a relentless pursuit of you. Listen to 1 Peter 5.8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He wants to devour you. Just like that song, I appreciate so much that was saying, He wants to destroy families. He, he wants to see people crumble. He wants to see us fade. He wants to see us compromise. He wants to see us fall apart and miss God's best. He's like a roaring lion looking for the opportunity to pounce upon people and to bring misery. That's his heart, guys. He's not a comic book character. He's real. But he's not all powerful. He wants us to believe that he's God's equal, that he's all evil and God's all good, but he's not all powerful. He is a created being. And he can't be everywhere at the same time, even though that's what he wants you to believe. He doesn't have that kind of strength, that kind of power, but he's always alive and he's always at work. Because he has a demon army that's well organized and that watches us carefully and knows how to trip us up, guys. He's smart. He's depicted as an angel of light in the Scriptures. He's not some uh, guy in red tights with a pitchfork. But he's a guy that knows how to draw you in. He knows what you like. He knows how to tempt you. He knows how to pull you toward him. And you can't play games with him. But yet his power is limited we don't have to be under His control. We don't have to listen to His lies and His deceptions. I love from Martin Luther's song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. This is the third verse Luther wrote. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for Him. His rage we can endure, for lo, His doom is sure. One little word shall fail Him. There's complete victory through Jesus Christ. Now, I want to look this morning in Mark 5 at an account of one who was imprisoned by the devil. Trapped, possessed, filled with the evil one, It's a hopeless, desperate case. Uh, Look with me in Mark chapter 5. The first couple of verses, uh, we learn about him. Uh, First it says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. It's interesting, as you look at this scripture, uh, if you look at the context here, there's reason to believe, because of the timing of the situation, that this happened at night. You know, things are scarier in the dark when you can't see clearly. 
I remember as a kid walking at night and feeling like somebody's following me. And just kind of, you know, feeling like it's right behind me, coming closer. It was a time of night, and, and look what we read about the Scriptures. That Jesus got out of the boat, and a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet Him. He was living in the tombs among the graves in a creepy, desperate place. He lived in the tombs. No one could bind Him anymore, not even with a chain. He was out of control. He was miserable. Verse 4, For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Chains couldn't hold him. His misery was evident. Uh, supernatural power. It says, Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So there was this constant sign of his misery as he would cry out in agony and pain and desperation. And uh, he was a cutter. We hear about teenagers who, who are cutters and in desperation, they cut themselves in order to draw attention. But in this case, he was a cutter because the evil one was tormenting him. Because more than anything else, he wants to see people suffer, guys. That's his way to get back at God, whom in his pride he wanted to defeat. What better way to hurt God than to hurt people? And so this one, he, he, he said, he screamed in agony, he cut himself with stones, and he suffered through all of that. He suffered. The word uh, demon means knowing or intelligence. You can't outfox the devil. You can't outsmart him. So how, how do you how do you how do you face him? Uh, turn me just briefly. One little verse here in the book of James, James chapter four, verse seven. We read, "Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil." And he will flee from you. Don't ever start thinking that in your own strength you can outsmart, outwit the devil. The key is to first begin by submitting yourself to God. You never go wrong when you bow your life to God. You never go wrong when you determine that the truth is found in Jesus Christ and in His Word. You don't go wrong there. You have to start. If you're going to be victorious, you have to start first by bowing to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Submit yourselves then to God. Then you're able to resist Him. In, in this case, He could not bow to the Lord for He was under that control. But I want you to see how Jesus releases Him as we go on in the text. When He saw Jesus from a distance, He fell on His knees in front of Him. Now, I want to stop a minute because there's you know a lot that's said about this guy being possessed of a demon and the demons coming out and the demons afraid and the demons falling in the presence of Jesus Christ. But I believe in this case, this is far more than a demon falling before Jesus Christ. I think that it's the struggle of the man captured by the demon. He's, he wants to be released. He wants to be freed. You know, demons in themselves don't have bodies. I believe it was this man that was bowing on his knees in the presence of Jesus Christ. Bowing on his knees to find help. 
He shouted at the top of his voice under this demonic control. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you will torture me. He recognizes already who Jesus is. That he's the most high God. That he's victorious. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. I believe this man was, he was, he was seeing a ray of hope because he had already heard Jesus speak to this evil spirits to leave the man, to free the man. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? You know, many times as I've read this text, I've looked at the scripture. I thought, well, he's, you know, talking to the demon. What is your name? But you know, on, on closer inspection of the text, I don't think that Jesus is talking specifically to the demon here. I think he's talking to this guy. He's trapped. You see, Jesus' love is not focused upon the demons. It's focused on this guy. Jesus loves you. And He loves people. I think when He's saying, what is your name? He's trying to, He's trying to reach out to this guy. He's trying to say to him, you matter. Everyone else has abandoned you. Everyone else has left you. Everyone else has said that you're a hopeless case, but you have worth. You have value and I care about you. What is your name? Not the demons. I, I believe He's talking to this guy. What is your name? And I want you to see His struggle here. As we move on in the text, as this guy is, is trying to deal with the struggle that rages within him, he says, My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. I believe he's starting out here, and I think he's trying to respond and say, I think he's trying to talk. I think he's trying to say, My name is. But in this battle, in this control, for we are called Legion. Now, what inhabits him? We don't give an exact number, but it's more than one demon. As a matter of fact, uh, as I began to study and look this up, I discovered that a legion consisted of 6,826 soldiers. Could it be if we took it literally that there were 6,826 demons inhabiting this guy? Torturing him? No wonder he was tormented. How... How many, the number, I don't know for sure, but it was a great number that were tormenting this guy that had him under control as he struggled, as he was victimized. Demons are smart. They know what they're facing. We're told in James 2.19 that the demons believe and they shudder. They do shake at the mention of Jesus Christ. And especially with the fact that they know He's come out of love to free this guy. Notice, uh, as Jesus acts, as Jesus works. My name is Legion, He replied, for we are many. And He begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. You see, they knew who the victorious one was. They didn't stand a chance against Jesus. One little word shall fell Him, as Martin Luther wrote. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. Now, why did they want to go into the pigs? I don't know for sure. But anyway, it says, He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake. 
and were drowned. Uh, I figure about three demons per pig. No wonder they went crazy. Went down to the lake and drowned. And notice the reaction. You know, there was nobody around when this guy was filled with demons and they weren't coming after Jesus when it had to deal just with this one tortured soul. But suddenly, it changes here. It says, verse 14, Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demons possessed men and told them about the pigs as well. And then it says that they begged him to leave the region. And at first you look at that and you say, What? Here was a guy that was crazy. He was tortured. And he's sitting there in his right mind, clothed. He's sitting there. He's been freed. Man, you think there would be rejoicing. you think there would be a party. There would be a celebration. This guy that was crazy, he's in his right mind. And, and, and he's, he's back. Let's bring his family in. Let's, let's celebrate. But that's not what happened. They asked him to leave. And I think the reason is because the focus wasn't on this guy being restored, but the loss of the pigs. The loss of wealth. Isn't it funny when money gets involved, how people are controlled and changed? Matter of fact, this happened in Acts 17. Turn there with me briefly. Uh, it's not the first time that Jesus was asked to leave an area with the power of Christ leave an area. We read about a girl who was uh, filled with a spirit and she followed Paul around and, and, uh, and following them around. She would yell out, These are of the Most High God. And in yelling that out, um, finally Paul just got, he just got exhausted by that. (laughs) And he said, to leave. And when the demons left her, they became angry and they attacked Paul and his companions. Why did they attack Paul and the companions? Um, Actually in Acts 16, it's because they lost their money tree. (laughs) They lost the ability to make money off of her, and so they turned upon Paul and Silas, beat them, and ended up in prison because they had lost their ability to make money. The devil knows uh, where to hit us, knows uh, how to come after us to leave. So, Jesus. Set him free. We go on reading in the Scripture. As Jesus was beginning the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. (laughs) Jesus not let him, but said, Go home to your family. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the capitalists how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Man, he had been set free and what a testimony.
Uh, guys, uh, as I come in here, I think of Joe Lewis, the great fighter of the past. He won 70 of 71 fights. And near the end of his career, uh, he was interviewed, and they said, what was the secret of your success? And he said, well, really, it's, it's quite simple. He said, I study my opponent carefully. Then I take time to plan out my fight. And then I go on the offensive. It's a good strategy for the devil. Stay the Scriptures. Find out about Him. Begin to think about your own life, your own weaknesses, where He, where He will, where He will show up, where He'll fight. And be a person of God's truth, God's Word. And go on the offensive, seeking God, submitting to God with your life. So that you'll miss those attacks. Now, as I close, I want to just spend a minute, turn to Ephesians 6. It's hard to talk on spiritual warfare and not at least briefly discuss Ephesians 6, this spiritual armor that is so critical to being victorious from the devil's attacks. We're told in verses 10 through 13 of the importance of being strong in the Lord and putting on the armor. And then we're given the description starting at verse 14. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. That belt which was around the soldier's waist was used to hold the sword and other weapons that were necessary to fight. Guys, we have to be Firmly in the truth. Have to be firmly in the truth of who Jesus is, who we are in Christ, and His Word that we have before us. Secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. We're told in Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. I know we're all sinners, guys, but we have a righteousness that far exceeds our own. If you are a child of God, you are safe in Jesus. No one can take that away from you. You are secure in Him and His love is complete. It's a righteousness. We have to be fully aware of that in fighting the evil one. Third, um, it says, and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Got to have ready feet. Uh, the sandals that were used by the soldiers that day were of a thick leather. Often they had spikes on the bottom of the sandals so for a firm footing so that um, they wouldn't slip and, and fall. And, and we're called to be ready to pray, ready to, to seek God, to turn to Him, to obey Him in a moment's notice. That's so critical in trying to fight the devil in spiritual warfare. Thirdly, a shield of faith. We're told to take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Uh, that shield was not some little garbage can lid shield like we used to play with when we were kids. It was a shield as large as a, a door. The soldier could literally hide behind that. It, they often would douse it with water to, so flaming arrows could not catch it on fire. And uh, We're to hide behind the shield of faith, trusting God clearly. Trusting him, uh, then the helmet of salvation, which protects the soldier's head. Philippians four eight, we read: Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. To take the helmet of salvation, and and may our thoughts be 
upon God and His truth. Then there's the sword of the Spirit, the only offensive piece of armor that is mentioned, which stands for God's Word. We need to be a people of the book, resting upon His promises, trusting Him. And then lastly, though not specifically mentioned as a part of the armor, pray always. To pray fervently. We need to be a people of prayer, which means we need to be connected to God, listening to Him, asking Him, speaking to Him. We need to be connected to Him, not disconnected from Him. And of course, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to disconnect us from Him. We need to be connected, guys. Martin Luther uh, quoted one of his songs earlier. It was said that he had a dream one night where the devil appeared to him and he took out this really long scroll and he started reading off Martin's sins. And wouldn't that be fun? He started reading off all these sins and, you know, what could Martin do? And then came a second scroll and a third scroll and this is getting old you know <laughs> all these sins are coming out and what does Martin Luther do so finally after he sits there he's tortured he's sweating uh, he gets to the end of it and the devil looks at him gives this wry smile and says what do you have to say about that Martin Luther he said you are absolutely right but just remember you need to write by every one of those sins cleansed by the blood of the Lamb Do you know Christ? Guys, we're all messed up. But do you know there's forgiveness available? That's why we're here. We want to pass that message. That although we are in a battle, an eternal battle, we have an eternal Savior who's victorious. Don't leave here and miss that. Let's pray. God, thank You for an opportunity to be reminded of Jesus Christ as we're in this cosmic battle, spiritual warfare. Fathers, we've been able to look at this account of this man who was tortured, filled with thousands of demons, and yet you freed him, Jesus. You're still in the business of freeing people. We None of us have to live under any kind of control or prompt or temptation or vice that is opposed to You, O God. Father, give us an awareness of Your victory, to live in Your victory. And Father, if there's somebody here who, for whatever reason, just has not clung to the victory of the cross, has not trusted that victory and found freedom because You are freedom, Jesus then I pray that this be the time for that one to find the freedom. Because either we're under God's control or we're under the devil's control and there's really not middle ground. So Father, I I pray that You help us find the freedom that comes in Jesus. That control. God, thank You for an opportunity to be here today. We've been so blessed. And just help us in this moment to respond to You, God. The victorious one. Because you care about our names. What is your name? You care about each of us. You care about our names. You you want us to be free. You want us to enjoy the fullness that you've provided. And God, I pray that uh, there be a response today in each heart that we would say yes to you. God, work. In your name we pray. Amen.